Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are looking at Dr. Willard F. Harley's work as published in his signature book, His Needs, Her Needs, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage. To help us discover our emotional needs and their relative importance, Dr. Harley has created an Emotional Needs Questionnaire. You can get a copy at the homepage on my website, mutualunderstanding.net. There is a PDF there that you can download. Last week, we looked at what Dr. Harley says is a woman's most important emotional need, and that is affection. Remember, Dr. Harley's talking about women in general, and not necessarily about the one you may be married to. Today, I want to begin talking about what Dr. Harley says is a man's most important emotional need, and that is sexual fulfillment. Again, Dr. Harley is talking about men in general, and not necessarily about the one you may be married to. Before we look at what Dr. Harley has to say, I want to talk about some things in general. I think in general that the church has been very uncomfortable talking about the subject of sex. You know, if you read the scripture with any objectivity at all, you will find that God is not embarrassed about sexual issues, and he does not speak in intimacy code. Some scriptures are embarrassingly direct. Many are reticent to even bring up the subject of sex because of the way sexuality has been abused in our culture. Many have been and continue to be sexually exploited. To be sure, we are living in an over-the-top, sex-crazed culture, and much evil is done in this area. However, that is precisely why I think the church needs to address the issue openly and frankly. Where you learn things influences what you learn, and the only way we can frame the discussion is if we initiate the discussion. We need to be able to frame the discussion. That is the only way people will learn about sex from God's perspective, contextualized in the marriage union. If the church is silent on the subject, we are forcing people to get their sex education from sources other than God and the Scriptures. Thus, too often, the men, women, and teenagers in our congregations are being educated about sex by the apostles of absurdity in our secular culture. The media have no problem saying anything they want in the promotion of sexual promiscuity couched exclusively in the context of lust and immorality. The truth is, sex was God's idea. And God always has great ideas. He is the one who created our bodies to feel the way they feel when they are touched and caressed. However, many young couples getting married in the church have no idea that sex isn't just for personal gratification, with each of them only focusing on his or her own quest for pleasure. The idea that sex is to be used to serve certainly takes it out of the arena of lust and perversion and makes it congruent with Christian thought. When the Apostle Paul spoke of sexuality and marriage, he said it was a mystery. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Comparing marriage with Christ and the church suggests that something in the relationship we are called to have with Christ, something in the relationship of husband and wife, gives us a snapshot of what our relationship with Jesus Christ is supposed to be like. This makes marriage a kind of parable. But notice Paul's blunt mention of sex in the text. The phrase, one flesh, is a direct reference to the sexual act. Paul is claiming that the actual act of becoming one flesh is a metaphorical act. Why would God use sex as a metaphor for Christ and the church? precisely because of the power of sexuality. Though there is nothing physical about the Christ-Church relationship, sex models the necessary vulnerability and openness that is required within the human souls when one cultivates a relationship with Jesus Christ and His Lordship. The mystery of attraction, the power of the emotion, the openness and ecstasy of sexuality, the natural ebb and flow of physical interest in relationships, the flirting and playfulness, were all designed by God to be a beautiful rhythm of love and commitment, never the kind of hedonistic, self-centered depravity many have made it. As we've talked about before, God designed marriage. And according to God's design, sex is the only form of love that is exclusive to marriage. That's God's design. All other kinds of love can be shared with others outside the marriage bond. For example, though husband and wife share friendship, you can be friends with lots and lots of people without being married to them. Similarly, marriage should have loads of faithfulness and devotion, but you can be a faithful and devoted person to whomever you know. Certainly, married partners experience attraction for each other. But even attraction is not unique to marriage. Many different people may appear attractive to us. Sexual love, by contrast, in accordance with God's design, is exclusive to marriage. This kind of union between a man and a woman was designed by God to be shared by one man and one woman, together, alone, for life. The problem is, many couples have so much misinformation and lack of mutual understanding about sex, it gets confusing and muddled, eventually causing more trouble for them than they think it's worth. Either they over-romanticize it, or they believe it must be fueled by a ravenous, lust-filled passion they lost somewhere some time ago. Rabbi Botich is the author of some 30 books including Kosher Sex, A Recipe for Passion and Intimacy. He says, The culprit in all of this is the Western Romantic ideal, which says that ideally, love leads to sex. Through sharing experiences, showing each other consideration, gentleness, and warmth, would-be lovers slowly fall in love. And then after love has ensued, it leads on to the sexual climax, the apogee of the relationship. He continues, Every great classical love story involves these stages. 
The sexual act is, in the Western Romantic view, the consummation of love. And the operative word really is to consummate. Sex is the summit of male-female relationships. Love would be incomplete without it. Before the act, there is love, but only sex can elevate it to the next level, making love. End quote. Well, what would marriages look like if they used sex to help them build love instead of thinking sex was the culmination of it? The modern idea is that after we find the perfect someone, love will ensue. Then our culture tells us we should date for years in order to do an adequate test drive, and only then should marriage be considered. Their formula is first comes romantic love, usually some sex, and then comes marriage. According to many therapists, this is the reason many couples, particularly women, believe that sex is no big deal, that marriage is more about romantic feelings and finding the right one. The very idea that sex should be considered the glue of marriage and that it has the power to build, cleanse, and fuel romantic love seems completely backward to the forward-thinking moderns. To claim that sex is to be front and center in marriage seems odd enough to us today, but the idea that sex is a central reason for getting married seems completely offensive and ridiculous. None of this means that the purpose of marriage is sex. Not at all. It means sex is central to marriage that sexual love is central to building romantic love and intimacy. And it also means that sex must be kept in the context of marriage in order to be safe, in order for its power to be used to build and not to destroy. Sex based on romance and hormones is purely selfish. Sex based on servanthood, sacrifice, faith, and hope is amazing. Sex is a way to lose oneself in another, not in oneself. This is one of the areas in our marriage relationships where we need mutual understanding. Men and women express this need very differently. As we looked at last week, women's primary emotional need is affection, love. Now we're looking at what Dr. Harley says is man's number one emotional need, sexual fulfillment. In other words, women want love, men want sex. Dr. Harley says that the typical wife doesn't understand her husband's deep need for sex any more than the typical husband understands his wife's deep need for affection. Marriage is a very conditional union. If a husband does not try to meet his spouse's needs and she does not try to meet his, they may be technically married, but they will not know the happiness and fulfillment marriage should provide. But if both sides want to listen to each other and change, mutual understanding, according to Dr. Harley, a couple can solve their problems without much difficulty. Well, our time is gone for today. I invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page, for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, or if the time is inconvenient, you can go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, 
click on the Mum Live tab and view the recorded teachings. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.